There's a familiar feel to Group D at this year's FIFA World Cup with three of the teams, France, Denmark, and Australia, having met at the same stage four years ago. The odd team out, Tunisia, is no stranger to the competition either having also played in Russia 2018. Le Bleu, for obvious reasons, are the bookmakers' favorites to advance. But nothing is assured for Didier Deschamps' men. And I'm here with Michael LeHoux, Jonathan Johnson, to analyze each of the four teams. Kego Lasso begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kego Lasso, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso. Kego Lasso pod on Twitter. Welcome to the family. Today's Kego Lasso episode is presented by Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant. For those who don't like to sweat, the choice is clear. Gillette is your ticket to all-day freshness. Gillette, the best a man can get. Welcome, everybody. Michael LaHood. How are you, buddy? I am doing great, especially after seeing JJ's recent photos off the coast of France. But that's another subject. Can't wait for today's show. Absolutely. Aesthetic heaven. Jonathan Johnson, what's up, man? Hey there, guys. Yeah, good to be back on uh, with you. I was in... uh... I was in Normandy over the weekend for a wedding, hence the uh, hence the beautiful scenery around me. But uh, nice, nice to get a get away and get a little short break uh, while we can make the most of it. I love it. Did you were you on the dance floor, Jonathan Johnson, later into the <laughs> night? Uh, did you do some YMCA? Was what was going on? I don't know about the YMCA, but I was definitely on the dance floor until probably a bit later <laughs> than I'd planned. I, what, what's well, what's you, the French equivalent to the YMCA? Honestly, honestly, if every, <laughs> every single like French dance floor filler would be something really unexpected to you, it's like so. Some of the songs are even in English, yet mm. they just weren't chart toppers in in the US or in England, so nobody actually remembers them. But like they're kind of deities over here in France. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I bet there was some Ace of Base and stuff, some mm. stuff like that as well. Love that. <laughs> you get you get some great electronic music as well. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's. Depends on how much of a say the bride gets over the playlist. The groom will normally try and fill his playlist up with that kind of stuff. Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that Michael is here. And I'm glad that you are all here as we continue our World Cup deep dives. And now we go to Group D. Before we get into it, I just want to tell you right now, okay, it's going to hurt me as a Peruvian to talk about this group, but I'm going to get through it, I promise. But let's get into it. It's France, Denmark, Tunisia, and Australia. As we mentioned in the intro, three of these four teams faced each other in the group stages in 2018. Tunisia, of course, being the new one. Uh, But there's a lot to discuss, and these teams look slightly different, obviously, from 2018. So straight away, Okay, just, uh, you know, let's let's just think about just your initial thoughts over this group. Uh, Let's begin with you, Michael. Initial thoughts on this. Well, they call it Group D because there will be drama in (laughs) this group. And it starts with one of the World Cup favorites, the French national team. They ain't looking like the team from before. Let's go back to 2018. Look at their their starting lineup. Consistency was what got them through. You have Olivier Giroud. Not Kareem Benzema, not the dream, but Olivier Giroud. And when you have a player like him, he got, he, he just, I felt he got so unfairly criticized throughout much of that tournament, throughout much of that qualifying campaign. The thing that makes him so good for this team, he makes other people better. You saw that at AC Milan this past season in Syria, and you saw that with this French national team, Anton Griezmann scoring four goals, silver ball award, and so our silver shoe and bronze ball 
Kylian Mbappe, best young player, four goals apiece for those two. And your, your, your center forward is still getting criticized. Now enter Kareem Benzema, and the whole dynamic has changed. It's lifted Kareem Benzema to just superstar status plus one, but it's kind of made the French national team suffer a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I take your point, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how France fare this time around against very similar opponents. I think that Denmark will definitely be more of a threat. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I think it is a worrying time for France, given that so many of the key elements under Deschamps previously, uh, you know, just not not the forces that they once were. I mean, I think as well, you have to look back on the team that was put together in 2018. Uh, and some of those players just were sort of filling a role that they weren't necessarily cut out for. I'm thinking of the likes of Benjamin Pavard, uh, a right back, not uh, a right back, certainly not an elite right back. Uh, and, you know, I think that has been part of the the, the, the struggle that Deschamps has had uh, to, to rejig this team and make them more competitive ahead of the Euros and then also coming into this World Cup as well. But, uh, you know, I think as well, part of that crisis that, that Deschamps is going through is some of his key players just completely out of form now. Griezmann, unrecognisable, uh, you know, from the guy that was basically a Ballon d'Or uh, contender at that point. Uh, and as well, you know, despite the fact that they've managed to add a Benzema who's in career best form, uh, you know, it hasn't quite worked out yet for him, this return to the French national team. I think Kylian Mbappe as well, he's come on leaps and bounds uh, from 2018. We, you know, we can't ignore that. But also at the same time, with that development uh, has, has come sort of a self-awareness and, and almost an ego, uh, you know, on, on his side, which threatened to derail the team uh, back in Euro 2020. So I think that there's been a lot uh, that Didier Deschamps has had to contend with, not least the speculation over his future as well with Zinedine Zidane constantly being linked with Le Bleu. So, you know, there is a, a fair amount of pressure on France coming into this. And I think the final matches uh, in the build-up to this World Cup will be absolutely key uh, for France because they don't want to be going into, uh, you know, what is a tricky group, uh, you know, with so much sort of negativity uh, surrounding them because part of the this French team's ability to, to succeed under Deschamps in the last few years has actually come from the, the positivity. France managed to turn a very negative situation into something very positive where they got the country back on their side, behind them. And then if they suddenly come into this one with people sort of, you know, taking pot shots at them, it's not really conducive to a potential title defence. All right. Well, listen, my, my, I have two issues with France. Uh, they, they were in my top four power rankings. Uh, it's, it, it's slowly disappearing. However, it is November that we have to wait for, so a lot can change. But there are always two issues with me with France. One of them is I feel sometimes France is very reactive under Didier Deschamps. They're not proactive. They rely a lot on their individual talent. The second part as well is they're going through a transition through their sort of vertebrae, right? You got Jules Koundé. We've seen a lot of Schumann and, uh, you know, uh, the greatest midfielder is going to live uh, next season in Buba Kamara. And of course, you know, leading up behind to Karim Benzema. So I do worry about those two things about, it, you know, maybe it's an advantage, the fact that it's in November because the likes of Schumann some minutes with Real Madrid and others, you know, Jules Koundé, we'll see where he ends up next season as well. Maybe that will help, but they are going through this transition. Michael, I know you have a final point on France before we move on. Yeah, I, I look at you talk about the vertebrae of the team. Look at some of the distractions some of these players are going through. What Kylian Mbappe, he's new. He's a new prime minister of France. 
who happens to play football, it seems like, because he's got all the power. That's always that I got the power. He's got all the power. So he, and, so he turns up at an LAFC match and suddenly he's like French, uh, like royalty, like going oh, overseas. Are you kidding me? He's in the States. <laughs> hey, come to Austin. Come to Austin. I'll show you around Killian. <laughs> I'll be forgiven. Then you have Paul Pogba dishing out documentaries. And he's finally got a team now in Juventus. Paul Pogba, the carousel king, going to his former clubs, not once, but twice. And, and you know, Samuel and TT not there. I think they've gotten an upgrade in Keep Pembe. But Rafael Varane out of form with Manchester United, which pains me to say that, but it's the truth. I mean, that is a big deal when you're the defending world champions. Yes, they did get an upgrade in, uh, up top, but what are they going to do with Griezmann? I think it's going to come down to, is Didier Deschamps going to play the players that are in form, or is he going to go with loyalty? Because I've seen him try to force loyalty with a Griezmann, forcing a 3-5-2 system. And is it going to be 3-5-2? Is it going to be 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1? My you point about why they're so reactive. Yeah, like, you, continue. Yeah. You, you will know what just the DNA of this team is based on what formation they play. Because if they if they play this 3-5-2, that's because he's trying to force all the best individuals on the field and not the best chemistry of individuals to become a team. Well, another uh, major absence as well in this French team is N'Golo Conte. Conte yeah. has playing increasingly less and less matches, not only for France, but also for Chelsea as well. And I think coming to terms with, with him not being in his best form anymore is difficult, difficult for, for both club and country. Uh, and it's something that may well not be cleared up in time for the World Cup. Yep. Absolutely. Well, before we move on into the other nations, just to let you know that uh, the soccer calendar knows no breaks. So it's always all systems go here on Kego Lasso. Staying on top of the global game is an all-day gig. Then there's the added stress of being a helplessly loyal fan who obsesses over every minor detail concerning my club. And throw in on top of that the studio lights, the public speaking, the breaking news. It's a recipe for perspiration. But nah, not for yours truly. Fortunately for me, sweat and bad odors are two things I never have to worry about. Thanks to the long-lasting power of Gillette clear gel antiperspirant. I can get on with my day, which mainly involves staying on top of the latest Aston Villa news and telling myself it's strictly for work purposes without breaking a sweat. Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant goes on with an anti-white mark formula and protects your nostrils from those nasty under armpit smells while giving you 72-hour sweat protection. If you want all-day freshness, the choice is clear. Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant is a tap-in. Get your Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant at a store near you. All right, let's move on. Let's move on in Group D. Denmark, the Danes, they gave us so much emotion at Euro 2020, obviously after the tragic scenes of uh, Christian Eriksen, but they came back resiliently. They are a very good team. And sometimes I feel we underrepresent the Danes sometimes. Jonathan Johnson, let's begin with you on Denmark. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I totally agree. And I think that they'll be the biggest threat uh, to France uh, for top spots in this group, with all due respect to, to Australia and to, to Tunisia. To be honest, I consider the Danes favourites in many ways, given their mm. consistency. And you look at the, the, the way they've been grinding out results. But... I, I think as well, something that works in France's favor is the fact that they are a, co a competition team and they start slowing and build into momentum. Whereas Denmark, they don't seem to really have sort of an on or off. They're just extremely consistent, whether it's in qualifying or in competition as well. Yeah, they know uh, who they are. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, they they do. They have a strong sense of identity, uh, but also they have some very very high quality players in important positions and the right balance of sort of young talent, you know, vibrant players uh, and uh, an experience as well. So I think a lot uh, is is going to depend on how key figures like Simon Kiar uh, return to to fitness in time for the World Cup because he's hugely influential. But I really think that Denmark, uh, you know, are dark horses to. I'm not necessarily going to say win this World Cup, but uh, to certainly go far, because I think that they can sort of have the kind of tournament that many expected of them at the Euros uh, at this World Cup. Uh, what I want to remind people of is that the word belief, and I'm not just talking because I love Ted Lasso, but this team is starting to believe that they can do something and build on something that they had from the Euros. And that result against France, it's almost like a, a dress rehearsal. And it makes me wonder, could that result, Cornelius coming off the bench and, and getting the match winner and getting it in style, could players like him plying their trade outside of their, their, their home country, FC Copenhagen, Cardiff City, and finally finds a home in Turkey? And oh, by the way, he helps Trapsenburg win the league, 15 goals. Could players like him, they've, they, they've had midfielders, but now I think they may have found themselves a striker who getting that match winning goal against France lifting them over the defending world champions, that stuff can come back and really boost this team because they will see this team again. And when you're a striker, it's all about confidence. It's almost it's almost muscle memory. And a striker like him, that's a very good muscle memory to have in the bank. I agree with you, JJ. I think this team, based on how France has been playing, is neck and neck with them as favorites for this group. Defensively, they they can just lock you up. They can make it very predictable, and they don't need an, a lot of opportunities to get a goal or to get a win. They are very comfortable getting a one nil win, just as they are a three nil win, and that makes them a dangerous team. And let's not forget about the likes of Andreas Christensen, who is now leaving Chelsea, going to somewhere else, as well as Hoiberg, who's going to be yeah. playing some uh, Champions League football as well. They're they're going to get better. Christian Eriksen, of course, uh, removing himself more and more from the issues he had last year as well. This is a dangerous team, so I'm excited to see what they do. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, Tunisia will be right back. Hey everybody, welcome back. We have now Michael Lahu, Jonathan Johnson. Let's talk some Tunisia. They're the new boys in uh, in this group. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, if you're having a party in France and Denmark and Australia and having a good time, Tunisia are the new boys in town. I'll be like, who is this guy? So let's talk about Tunisia, the African team. Michael, let's begin with you. We've had a lot of conversations regarding African nations in this show. What are your thoughts on Tunisia and their chances, uh, albeit very difficult uh, in Group D? I think the fact that they have some returners from that 2018 squad that will be at this tournament is probably their only hope. I think of young players that were young before, like Sleety, uh, is going to help them. My question is, do they bring back their former captain, Kazri? It seems like there's been a changing of the guard there with Yusuf Misakni, their AFCON hero, lifting them up from just uh, dire straits to a formidable team that made a little bit of a run given some of the talent or lack of talent compared to 2018 that they do have. I just don't think there's enough firepower. You have to score goals in the World Cup. Three ties typically don't get you through to the knock, to the next round. And, I mean, if, if, if they can get a result or a draw even and take points away from uh, France or a Denmark, then that, that's a massive bonus for them to leave it up to that matchup against Australia. 
uh, gosh, it's really going to be damage control, I think, against those top two teams that we just previewed. I don't see them going through. Yeah, I don't. Nece- I don't necessarily see them going through, but I also think that we shouldn't forget, uh, you know, how they did run some teams close in 2018. England needed a last-minute winner against them. I mean, okay, I know the floodgates opened uh, a bit against Belgium, but they still got the win against Panama. The thing that makes me so curious about Tunisia is there is going to be this kind of rivalry with France when they mm. come up against each other. Yet there's actually not that many sort of France-based players in the squad at present, certainly not as many as we've seen in the past. And I think if if Mike's big issue with this Tunisia side is goals, then I think how Wabi Kazri fares now that he's left Saint-Étienne and gone to Montpellier in the first few months of the Ligue 1 season could be very interesting because Kazri, for me, is somebody who can be talismanic. He definitely has the ability uh, you know, to, to, to be that kind of figure. But Tunisia seemed to to be a team that has uh, sort of had issues in the past, you know, certainly sort of like personnel issues, a bit of friction, some tensions, uh, you know, and I think they need to address, uh, you know, perhaps some of the, the chemistry and some of the balance within that group. Perhaps that's part of the reason why why Kazri hasn't featured as much in the squad sort of over the last uh, over the last few months. But, uh, you know, I think when you've got somebody like him potentially informed, because he is going to get the opportunity to, to once again establish himself as the focal point, focal point of this Montpellier attack, that could suddenly, uh, you know, change the, the balance of power in this group. Because I think that Tunisia have the ability to, to, to be solid, to claim points against the likes of Australia. Whether or not they can surprise a Denmark or France is the, is the real question for me, because that will be what sort of puts them in that bracket between third and maybe just pinching second. When you you talk about Kajri, I want to bring up another young, talented player, Hannibal Mejri. This is typically what coaches have headaches about when you qualify for a World Cup. Do you go with the old guard? Do you do you reward someone that has really proven it over the length of their career, or do you play for now and the future? And I I, I think that will be very interesting because that could that could typically cost you your job if you get that wrong. If you're the the, the manager of Tunisia, I would kind of lean towards now and the future because Afcon is coming up after this tournament. And Mejri plays for the greatest club in the world. No, I'm not going to go there. One of the greatest clubs in the world in Manchester United. So selfishly, I want him Please to play. To get the experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me put the asterisk button on that statement. But, you know, young players thrive in World Cups. Let the kid play. That's my two cents. Yeah, no, as we're taping uh, on this day in 2014, a 22-year-old James Rodriguez uh, shook the world uh, with that ridiculous goal against Uruguay, he won the golden boot. He, you know, that one Pushkas, Real Madrid came calling. So to your point, young players are here to make statements in World Cups. All right, let's finish off with Australia. Before we get into Australia and ask these fine gentlemen the questions, I just want to let you know, you deserve to be at the World Cup, Australia. Straight up. Okay, you did the job. So hands down. So I just want to make that clear. Having said that, this is an awful Australian team compared to the 2018 side. Okay, so I just want to put that out there. It's true and they know it, but you deserve to be here. I just think that it's going to be extremely difficult to get anything out of any team. Jonathan Johnson, thoughts? Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, I haven't seen anything from Australia that makes me think that they're really going to 
uh, do much in this group. I mean, I'm sure we'll find ourselves, uh, you know, in a couple of months' time, digging this out of the archives as Australia s somehow scrape a second place finish in the group. No, I'm joking. I, I honestly, I'd, I'd be I'd be stunned if they managed to get better than third in the group. I mean, I don't think it would be impossible for them to finish ahead of Tunisia if Tunisia, uh, you know, don't find a way, uh, you know, to to score goals. But for me, this this Australian side, I think they've got mentality or you know a bit of character about the squad. But that really seems to be about it. Sort of, if we're talking about technical ability and and and, and talent, you know, they they are milking the final final drops uh, of, of sort of a semi golden generation because it's not even you know golden in comparison to some of the generations of Australian talent that we've seen before when they've had the likes of Viduka, Cahill, uh, Lucas Neal, guys like that. I think this they this ain't a golden generation. Matthew Leckie is the only member, and Matt Ryan, the only two members of that golden generation that were so successful that made World Cups and went toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of the biggest countries in the world. The World Cup happened for them when they beat Peru. Give them a fake trophy. Give, give, give them everything. Have a party in Sydney because that's it with this team. I got to give props to Andy Redmayne, my main man, Redmayne. I mean, just... That is a story. Make a documentary because that is the end of the road for this group. I just don't see it. I think of Hristich playing for Eintracht Frank Frankfurt. He's hit you know a new level, winning the Europa League with them. But he's a guy that comes off the bench. Justin Irvine gets more minutes for the Australian national team, meaningful minutes than he does for club. I think you have too many players playing in the A-League than you did before when they were testing themselves in the biggest leagues in Europe. And typically, when your best players on the national team are playing at the highest levels, that filters down to success for the team. And I, I think it's the end of the road for them. I, I, don't even, I see Tunisia having the upper hand because they have more players playing for meaningful clubs. All right. Well, having said all that, uh, let's uh, let let's go here and let's talk about the choice is clear. Presented by Gillette clear gel so i throw this to both these fine gentlemen in this segment with the choice is clear presented by gillette clear gel is the choice clear for you on who tops the group i already did my world cup predictions 2.0 and i did a little shock of a situation here but i don't think too shocking now uh, based on what you guys have been talking about michael lahoot is the choice clear for you who tops the group who's runner up i'm not even perspiring with this choice denmark <laughs> I think form, consistency, and a group that's been together is what's going to take them over the top. A group that is unified. We talked about France and how that unity helped them win a World Cup. I'm not saying they're going to win the World Cup, but I'm saying that gives them the edge over France. Denmark tops the group. I have to agree. Uh, I think the choice is clear. I haven't seen enough from France at this moment in time to suggest that they're going to start fast enough uh, to finish ahead of Denmark. So uh, I, th I think we're all unanimous. It's a uh, it's house. Yep, so it's uh, Denmark winning the group. I had it in my World Cup predictions as well. Both of you, see, this is why we all get along, everybody. We're very smart <laughs> and we know what we're doing. And France, runner up. But there you have it. Group D, deep dive. Michael LeHood, Jonathan Johnson, final thoughts before we say goodbye. Jonathan Johnson, final thoughts, buddy. I'm just really looking forward to I mean, I don't really want to wish the time away. Obviously, we're all enjoying summer at the moment. And then we've got the start of the new season to look forward to. But it's difficult to not get excited about a World Cup. I mean, obviously, we have to remain mindful um, of, of everything associated with this World Cup uh, and, and not let that get too far from our minds. 
but also, uh, you know, when the event uh, comes along, I think it's natural that any soccer fans like us, uh, you know, really get pumped up and, and in the mood for, for some international football. So I think it's really wet the appetite ahead of the, the final round of international matches before we get to the World Cup at the end of the year. Oh, I'm, I'm kind of getting FOMO right now because right now we'd be playing World Cup matches. And I've been going back through memory lane and with a World Cup announcement that we were here for, you know, doing the just celebrating it for 2026. I cannot wait for this World Cup. And it, it's really what I'm excited for. It's pushing the boundaries of what could be the first World Cup ever in the fall slash winter. And I, I just hope it opens the door for just more innovation in the beautiful game. It's going to be very weird. I tell you something too, like Thanksgiving time, Christmas time, like and we have a World Cup, but we'll see how it develops. But Jonathan Johnson, John underscore Legosse, Michael LaHood at Mike LaHood, part of our Kego Lasso family. Make sure to follow them on social and of course, CBS Sports, your CBS Sports app. Kego Lasso continues uh, every single weekday, even during the summer, including World Cup content. We have so much to give you. Thank you so much, JJ. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. On behalf of LME, Kego Lasso, we will see you next time. Have a great rest of your week. Till then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.